This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons for that. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Thomas, have mm. you uh, joined the Equity Mates community yet? Community.equitymates.com? I have, yep. I'm on there. Brilliant. I rated our show the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> 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 thought Adam was terrible. Uh, brilliant. Well, yeah, I'd, we'd love it if you jumped on there, um, signed up to the Equity Mates community. It's all kicking off uh, inside the Equity Mates forums. Uh, lots of uh, good content, lots of chatter going on, so uh, make sure you join in. Side note, we're going on a two-week break after this week, so uh, if you don't hear us for a couple of weeks. That'll be why we didn't record anything. It's not you, it's us. Uh, so yeah, we're a couple of weeks off, but of course we're going to be uh, at FinFest October 15th. So we'd love it if you came and said hi there. Uh, that's going to be all sorts of fun, I think. But Thomas, a big show coming up as always. So let's get stuck into it. Uh, we might not have to wait for King Charles to kick the oxygen habit before we get another four day work week. Could they now be happening in Australia? <laughs> So, sorry, I I googled euphemisms for death, ah. and kick the oxygen habit was my favourite. Do you want me to ah. read some of the other ones? That, sure. Okay, I get it. Yeah, right. Uh, checked into the horizontal Hilton, <laughs> taking a dirt nap, and I think my favourite was no longer counted in the census. Oh. Um, anyway. We push on. Uh, it seems the new British government is trying to sneak through a budget without calling it a budget. Has anyone called them budget smugglers yet? I hope so. <laughs> we'll find out later. Uh, and as I said, FinFest happening October 15th. Thomas and I will be there on the main stage hosting a panel talking about investing in 2050. So stick around as you and I learn ex- actually what that means. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, this is actually just us trying to use time efficiently and doing a podcast while also preparing for a live show. So welcome behind the curtain. But first... Thomas, big week for central banks last week. What's happening in the world of central banking? Yeah, it's just a hikeathon, uh, hikerama, hike festival happening. (laughs) 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 Uh, First, we had FinFest, then we've got Hikefest. Hikefest. Mm. Yeah, now every, all the big banks everywhere. Last week was a particularly big week, had a lot of banks hiking. yeah, and it's, I think I don't know. It's it's a it's it's a fascinating time. Like I don't know that we've ever seen such a coordinated push 
and such mm. an aggressive push happening all at once. So it's, it's, it's pretty radical. Like, I, I guess I want to stress that point. Like, mm. if, if it feels like this is unusual, it is. Like, it's not kind of normal for all banks to be hiking like 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 they are right now. So we, like last week, the Fed in the US hiked 75 basis points. So you, in March this year, interest rates in the US were a flat zero. They're now at mm. 3%. So that's 300 basis points in about four months. And that's the fastest jump in rates in over 40 years. Wow. So they're, they're scorching along. Is it the amount of hikes or the speed of the hikes that we're, that, that we're all freaking out about? I think it's the speed. Like that's, right. well, that's what's unusual. Like 300 basis points over the course of a cycle is, mm. is, is you know, run of the mill. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, but norm, normally you're talking like two or three years, not th- mm. two or three months. Right. Yeah. It's a real sort of whipsawing that's happening. It's which is sort of that in itself is sort of a is a bit unpredictable. Throw something in the mix. It's just a bit like I don't know. We have we don't know how markets and the economies react to such a rapid shift from from aggressive cuts to aggressive hikes. So the the US Fed are hiking, and mm. who else? Britain, well, UK, yeah. Europe, the, the yeah, UK is up fifty basis points last week. The other thing about the the Bank of England, they they gave us some forecasts as well, and now it's saying they're expecting to drop into a second net quarter of negative economic growth. So they're in recession. Is recession? What, yeah, right. what the Bank of England reckons. Uh, okay, but they're in recession, and inflation is growing at nine point nine percent. So right. just a fraction under double digits. But the US were all, the US is also in recession, isn't it? They said they were in a technical recession, so. Is it a technical recession in Great Britain as well? Technically it is, yes. Well, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I guess a recession, uh, I'm going to tie myself in knots here, but a recession always has to be a technical recession, but a technical recession doesn't necessarily have to be a recession. A recession has, well, it depends who you're asking. Like an economist has a strict definition <laughs> of it. A politician is a bit like, well, yeah, te- technically it's a recession, but... <laughs> Right, yeah. and sometimes it's the recession we had to have. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So everyone's yeah. on board. Everyone's Bank, yeah. hiking. Sweden. Sweden jumped. The Sweden locked on a hundred basis points. Biggest wow. biggest hike in, in thirty years. Inflation's also at nine percent. There. Is there a record? Like I, I'm a big fan of sports. Is yeah. There? I think hundred. Is there a record for biggest hike? Mm, biggest hike. That's an interesting one. I don't know. I think it, I think it's probably a hundred basis points. Mm. This cycle, it's yeah. Sweden and Canada have that title. Canada hiked a hundred basis points as well. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I don't know of all time of all the world. That's an interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> That's what we're after, Thomas. We want <laughs> records here on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess the big question is, um, what's what's the RBA going to do? Is the RBA mm. going to we're going to start seeing a hundred base a hundred basis points here anytime soon? Well, I don't I don't think so, but I think de- definitely the expectation that the next hike might be twenty five basis points is now all has been blown out of the water. So right. markets are de- locking in fifty basis points at the next meeting. The other interesting thing that happened during the week is that uh, Westpac's chief economist, Bill Evans, um, lifted his interest rate predictions um, and now saying he's expecting a terminal rate of 3.6%. So he's saying mm. we'll get 50, 50 bips next month on the 4th of October to take us to 2.85%, but the RBA will keep going and will peak out in, at 3.6% in February 2023. Mm. Phil Lowe said it's not going to happen till February 2025, <laughs> though. Yes. <Okay. laughs> so, 
Well, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah. History will judge. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does that mean? What, what does that mean to to well, us, that, mere mortals, us mere mortals? Well, so like, if the, if that's if that's true, that would imply a discount variable mortgage rate topping out at six point nine five percent, so around seven percent. Yeah, that's a little ugly. The interesting thing that's double what it was um, in April when the RBA first hiked. So we're talking about a doubling of the variable mortgage rate in this mm. this cycle. So that's pretty aggressive and in a very short time. They take mortgage rates to the highest rate since October 2011 um, and average mortgage repayments would be 48% higher, um, which would add $1,080 to mortgage of mortgage of $500,000 on variable rates. Wow, so $1,000 a month is... You're going to feel that's that. That's crazy. Mm. And, with, and with inflation too. So we, we, mm. households are trying to deal with inflation mm. at the same time as they're getting rate hikes. Is that, is mm. that all? That's also unusual, yeah? That's uh, no, no, no. We normally hike no. into inflation. But like the level of inflation that we've got right now is mm. unusual. We don't, right. you know, it's been a long while since we've had inflation in the sevens and eights. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, households are going to feel that one for sure. That's on a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. There's a lot of people with mortgages a lot more than that. So you're looking at you know over a thousand dollars a month extra mm. just disappearing. Yeah, wow. Mm. Well, I hope if any uh, any businesses out there looking to sponsor a podcast, um, just letting you know, <laughs> could do with some extra coin. <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> um, so what if we uh, what if we look maybe look a bit past the terminal rate because that's mm. the top, right? We've mm. scaled the mountain. Mm. In, we've, we've hiked, dare I say, to the top of the mountain. Mm. Um, what happens after the rates top out? Like do we is – that, is that it? Does it sit there for a while? Does it go – does it start declining again? What goes on then? Well, yeah, I mean technically it can do two things. It can either stay there or it can go down <laughs> once it's reached the technical <laughs> top. <laughs> You might be familiar with mountains. <laughs> Once you reach the top, you can either have a sit down or you can start going back down the mountain. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but that's, that's what's interesting. So it's like we're talking. Will we know what's the top when we get there or? Uh, no, no, no. You only ever know in hindsight. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, what's interesting is that, that you know, Evans is, is saying that the top's in February next year. So that's not very far away. Yeah. And probably the vibe is that the whole world will follow the UK and the US into recession mm. because you've got inflation running hard and you've got, you know, big hits to sort of mortgage payments with, in, with rising interest rates and that'll slow things down quite sharply. Mm. Like CBA, I think, was even saying that, you know, they'll probably start cutting sometime, in, sometime next year. So rates will peak out, but then once, and hopefully that, that, that quashes inflation, but then once, you, once you've done that, then you've probably got a recession and so you need to start cutting rates to get yourself out of recession. Right, so this is the, this is the sort of soft landing that they're, they're talking about, like trying to kind of not go, not go too far through the recession floor. Is that, mm, mm. Is that what we're saying? So yeah. they need to get us into a bit of a recession but not something so deep that it takes us 20 years to get out of it. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's the ideal scenario. Mm. Just enough recession to knock inflation on the head. <laughs> 
<laughs> they can't say that, can they? It would be, I'd love it if they did, if like Fed Chair Powell was out there going, we're just going to have a little bit of recession. That's yeah. what we need here. We're just a, just a little touch, yeah. a little taster. We'll recession it. All right, Thomas, so we've talked about a four-day workweek trial before in the UK, but now it's coming to Australia. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we, we, last time we checked in with this in June, I think it was, the UK uh, was launching a, a four-day workweek trial with 70 companies mm. run by a not-for-profit called Four Day Week Global. And they've come here. So they're launching a pilot study here in Australia, six months long. So far they've got 20 companies involved in Australia and New Zealand. Is this like one of those, is this like one of those opt-in kind of tissue sample type um, things where you could submit something? Like if they're looking for volunteers, that's all I'm saying, if they're looking for volunteers, more than happy to take part in the trial. Mm. Yeah. As I'm sure a lot of Australians would be. Well, no, well, you, you, your company needs to do it. So... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could just sorry, just call in on Friday. Sorry, I'm part of this trial. I won't be in. Well, my it's my company offered special leave for COVID, as, like to get you COVID vaccinations and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. um, so I'm wondering maybe I might approach them and see if I can get some special leave sorted out to take part in a four-day workweek trial. Mm. I, think, I think they really want the whole organisation to be <laughs> taking part because uh, one of, this, one of the, the things they're most interested in is whether mm. productivity falls or whether if companies produce less because yeah. their staff are working less. Mm. So that's a big question. So it kind of needs to be at, at the company level to, to get those results. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, interestingly, that, that seems to be the case. I mean, they're talking it up, but uh, they had they got Dennis Moriarty, he's a founder of a tech company called Our Community. Um, he said he's never seen productivity higher among staff. Work is just so much better. They do more work in four days. They come in more energised and they're more committed. Yeah. So he's talking it up. We also they also released um, mid mid study uh, results from the UK sample. So they did a did a mm. survey there. They said that of this in the survey, eighty eight percent said the new schedule was working well for business, and eighty six percent said they'd be likely or extremely likely to consider keeping a four day work week after the pilot. Right. So that's that's pretty good. Customers said they missed being served on Wednesdays, but <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, That'd be the rub, wouldn't it? If, if Imagine if your company went to a four-day work week and they were like, but we're going to make the day off Thursday. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't like continuous days of like four mm. days of work and then you got a three-day weekend. Mm. If it was, all right, we're going to make a four-day work week, mm. but you can choose. It's either Tuesday or Thursday. So mm. just to make sure that no one got a long weekend every weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess they've workshopped that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Factored it into the, into the plans. But yeah, yeah. If you, want to, if you want to piss people off, that's what you do. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I've never been, like, I've always been grateful for a public holiday, but the Queen Memorial public holiday on a Thursday, mm. and I know there's a lot of people in Victoria who just loved it because they had a public holiday for the grand final on Friday, so they uh. got a four-day four w- weekend. But a public holiday on a Thursday was just kind of annoying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I loved the day off, obviously, but, yeah, it was like, oh, I didn't know. I don't know where I was. But I think, yeah, I think you, you companies need to sort of adjust their, their schedules and... Mm. Like and maybe not yeah maybe it's not just everyone takes a day off you just sort of roll it around or mm. but interesting interesting so the companies 
they're reporting, say, 46% said productivity was around the same level, 34% said it improved slightly, and 15% said it improved significantly. So almost none of the companies um, in the survey were saying that productivity had fallen. Hmm. That said, they only got response from 41 of the 70 companies involved and the other companies (laughs) said that they just couldn't get back to them because there was no one in the office. Because no one in the office, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. brilliant. (laughs) So, like, it's a little like mm. it's not a not not a fully representative sample, but it seems to make sense. It's and encouraging. It's definitely encouraging. Yeah, yeah, definitely the re- respondents. Because I mean, the obvious the obvious response when presumably when they proposed the idea was, yeah, right. So the I mean, fact they've got it this far and it's kind of it's starting to feels like it's starting to get some traction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting yeah, getting good coverage. How I long mean, do you reckon it might take? If like, is is this our lifetime thing? Or our working lifetime, or is this more like our kids are going to be maybe benefiting from a four-day work week? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty substantial change. I mean, and if anything, like over the last 20, 30 years, the work week's been expanding, not contracting. Mm. Particularly in sort of the private sector, in some places, that work hours are sort of going the other way. So it's yeah. it take a big. <laughs> some people would be happy to go back to a six-day work week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're talking about some pretty massive cultural shifts. Mm. I think what they're hoping to prove here is that you can you can drop that day and it doesn't make any difference. Uh, it's it's a minefield because no one wants to like, you know, if you dropped a day and it didn't make any difference, then there's there's a reasonable question to ask: what were you doing on that day every week? Mm, mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you yeah. need to balance the narrative so that it doesn't ever make it seem like you were just slacking off. For a yeah, day yeah, yeah. out of a week. There's a reality there as well. Like five days, I haven't worked five days in a while, but I remember what it was like. <laughs> it's brutal. Like you can't live and mm. do all the things you're supposed to do. And like when the, like when the five-day work week came in and the 40-hour and the week, like it was in an era when um, there was a primary breadwinner and then someone managing the home. Mm. Um, and now we've got two people working five days a week in, in your average household and all of that sort of domestic stuff needs to be, get mm. taken care of in your sort of leisure hours. And, and you can't even buy bread, let alone win it. Yeah. the way it is. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've got it on a lottery system at my IGA. <laughs> Just saving up enough money for the bread raffle. <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we work really hard, we can get tickets in the bread raffle. <laughs> <laughs> That's living. <laughs> Welcome to life. Uh, all right, why don't we take a break there? We'll grab a word from this week's sponsor. We'll be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. Don't forget to check out community.equitymates.com for all the goings on within the Equity Equity Mates media network. Uh, You'll find a forum, a chat room there for our show as as well as all the other shows across Equity Mates media uh, as well as a great community of people and investors just like you. So uh, go and join today, community.equitymates.com. But Thomas... Mm. Britain has had a mini budget, is that right? Yeah, what have they done over there? Fiscal event or something. Fiscal like event. Yeah, yeah. So that, so we've got a new government in the UK, or a new Prime Minister in Liz Truss and mm-hmm. then a new UK Chancellor. Like In Trust We Trust. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Thanks. Thanks for not laughing even politely. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Chancellor is the equivalent of the Treasurer. Quasi uh, Kwateng uh, came out and made some big announcements and effectively a budget in all but name right. and announced effectively the biggest tax cut package in 50 years. That's good. Yeah. Well, not so much as it turns out. No? No, people didn't love it. In fact, nobody loved it. It's kind of... Nobody. nobody. Not even the taxpayers. <laughs> no. Well, maybe some did, but it's quite, it's quite hard to find friends. Mm. Yeah, this, this, it has no friends. So it's, so it's massive. Right. So it's a huge plant, big spending, big, big tax cuts. So there's $60 billion for um, help households with their energy bills and, mm. and businesses. Because they were putting a cap, right, on energy? Yeah. On energy yeah, costs? Doing, yeah. They were putting, I think, £2,000 a year or something? Yeah, well, something like that. Yeah, so mm. that's going to cost them $60 billion to help households out with that one. Yeah. But that's a, that's a temporary one-off measure. But then you had a whole bunch of permanent tax cuts. So the basic rate of income tax will be cut to 19% from 20%. Not massive, but a cut. Mm. Um, the plant, the corporate corporation tax was set to rise to 25% from 19%. That was, uh, Boris Johnson came up with that one. They're right. like, no, nope, that's not happening. Um, which will right. leave businesses with the lowest tax rate in the G20. I thought, hang on, I thought we were moving towards a universal tax rate, a, glo- a uh, tax global floor. tax floor. Yeah, yeah, but that's in the 12s or something. I oh, think. right. Yeah. God, it's pretty low. A long way to go, haven't we? Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, taxes on those who earn over one hundred and fifty thousand pounds will be reduced to forty percent from forty five percent. Wow! Yes, yeah. So that's your high income earners. There's an end to caps on banker bonuses, and they're going to cut stamp duty and yeah, all up two percent of GDP. So a massive yeah. You got to go wow. back to nineteen seventy two to have a tax cut package bigger than this one. It sounds like the rich. Doing fairly well out of this one? Oh, it's, it's almost entirely focused on the well-off. Like I saw one study, one estimate saying that 90% of the benefits go to the top 5% of income right. earners in, in the UK. Yeah, it's, mm. it's incredibly tilted towards the wealthy, which is kind of staggering in, in, in a cost-of-living crisis that they've come out with this. Like it, or it's, it's, it's a little bit, of, little bit tone deaf is sort of one, of the, mm. one of the reactions to it. Uh, people are quite shocked by it. The Economist magazine, which is obviously a hotbed of radical lefties. Oh, I can I can never get a copy at my newsagent. It is sold out the moment it hits the shelves. Yeah, but it, but they're saying they're saying Britain's chancellor offers up a reckless budget fiscally and politically. AFR went with the headline: Why investors hate the UK PM's biggest tax cuts in decades. Mm. Uh, Doctor Doom Noriel Rubini, we've we've talked about him on the show oh, yeah, before. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted, UK is starting to be priced like an emerging market, back to the 1970s, stagflation and eventually the need to go and beg the IMF for a bailout. Truss and her cabinet are clueless. Palm face emoji, mm. shrug emoji, shrug emoji, palm face emoji. <laughs> he, was sounding, he sounded really credible <laughs> yes. up until the palm face emoji, shrug emoji. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah, he classic, classic doom. He's doom. really hip. Yeah. He's hip with the kids. Yeah. In the yeah. Economist he knows, magazine. Yeah. He knows how to work the work the <laughs> socials. <laughs> yeah. So, but the, the, so like the, these aren't like the Economist magazine. Like the, the, this would is a magazine that's normally going to be cheering for tax cuts, mm. not having it at all. Markets hated it. Like so, bond yield spiked. 
um, the biggest one-day move in, since 1991. So the idea is that they're going to have to pay for this somehow. They're increasing mm. spending at the same time they're, they're um, cutting taxes and cutting government revenue. That implies more debt. And so markets hated right. that. So the biggest one-day jump in yield since 1991. Um, the pound collapsed. So the pound dropped 3.6% against the US dollar. Um, mm. That's the sixth biggest one-day fall on record. Yeah, and wow. the only one in the top 10 biggest falls of all time to come in reaction to a budget announcement like this. Right. Is the Chancellor kind of like reviewing it now and just going, whew, thank mm. God I didn't make that the actual budget. I'm going <laughs> to no, no, <laughs> revise this. No, he's, he's doubled down on it. He sort of oh, said, really? Yeah, yeah. He said, he said expect more tax cuts basically. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so even though... I mean, the, the question like, of paying for it's an interesting one because we've just come out of a period where it seemed like anything we needed to pay for in terms of COVID, mm. we just printed money to do so. So, mm, mm. but yeah. now they're saying, well, if you want to pay for this, we're going to have to go into debt and borrow money. And stuff. Like, mm. Can they not... Like, what happens if they just print money to get out of it? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the interesting thing is that the Bank of England in, in, has gone into quantitative tightening. Right. So they're tightening to the tune of £80 billion a year. That involves them selling government debt. So they're not buying government debt. Quantitative tightening is the opposite of money printing. Right. You can't print at the same time that you're tightening. Yeah, yeah. You would need the Bank of England to change course. The Bank of England is not going to change course because inflation is running at 9.9% and they're trying to get mm. on top of inflation. That's not an option in this case. So that's why the why markets are saying, well, they're necessarily going to go to debt markets to get this money. And yeah, right. debt, debt markets don't really want to want a bar of it, it seems. Mm. Yeah. So the, yeah. So there's there's sort of three problems with it, and why why it doesn't have any friends. The first is that it's at odds with monetary policy. So the Bank of England's trying to get on top of interest rates. Sorry, tr- trying to get on top of inflation by slowing the economy. Tax cuts do the opposite. They speed up the economy um, to some extent. Mm. So yeah. So it's sort right. of like it, it's seen as like a bit of like they're working against the Bank of England. Um, mm. So that, that's, that's not, are they? Is that a bit? Is it the same sort of relationship that the Australian government has with the RBA? Like the, the Bank of England is an independent entity or whatever it's called. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, has statutory mm. independence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, that, so they're copying criticism for that. The second problem is they're calling it a growth plan, but very few measures really do anything to, to Im- improve growth. So the, mm. the cutting the tax rate for your, for your highest income earners, we kind of know that does nothing because high income earners just, if they get a tax cut, they just tend to pocket it. They don't have mm. a high marginal propensity to consume, so, which means like, so if you give a low income earner a tax cut, they tend to spend a good chunk of that money that they get, which then mm. circulates in, through the economy and gives things a buzz. High income earners tend not to do that. So cutting, cutting taxes for them doesn't really... It's not, it's not where you're going to get bang for buck. Mm. Cutting stamp duty, similarly, that increases the house price of houses in a competitive housing market. Cutting stamp duty just frees up cash, which then just goes into the prices. So it doesn't really put money in people's pocket. It just increases house prices. Mm. Scrapping the plan to increase the company tax rate, that doesn't do anything because it hadn't happened anyway. So 
So there's nothing there, even though they're calling it a growth plan, there's nothing in there that's really going to help with growth, which means that you're sort of saddling yourself with more debt while doing nothing to <laughs> potentially help yourself grow out of the problem. I feel like even I understand like what you're saying, which <laughs> doesn't always happen, mm. but I feel like even I get it and it makes sense. Mm. Why is something that seems so obvious? And it sounds to me like the the press have reacted the same way. Like no mm. one's, everyone seems to be kind of it's resonating, like people mm. are saying the same things that you are. Mm. And so why is something so obviously kind of wrong um, being put in? Like why are they doing it? Is there, is, what's the motive? Do we know? It's, it's very hard to see. It's, it's, it's a really odd one. Like, yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's not clear. I mean, sort of the other thing is, like I was saying, there's three problems. The third one is that it's politically odd. Like people are going like, oh, this is a pretty stinky, stinky plan. Like mm. nothing in there is, is really populist, you know. So like you're abolishing right. the, the top tax rates for the ultra rich. Great. That's good for them. But yeah, you're ending the cap on banker bonuses. Like who's in favour of that? Bankers. But, <laughs> you know, the ordinary people are going to go, what? The ordinary people who are, who are dealing with like out, out of control electricity yeah. prices. Yeah, right. So, the, yeah, the, the first thing, that, and this is the first thing that the new government has done, 19 days on the job. First thing they're going to be like, this is what we're doing. We're going to end the cap on banker bonuses. And like, it's like, huzzah. Huzzah. like, there's crickets. Everyone's like, what? Are you going to do what now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, right. For too long, bankers have been downtrodden. There's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like four bankers down in the street holding placards, going, yeah. "Finally, finally, <laughs> <laughs> finally, someone's doing something about it." Yeah, yeah. Uh, so right. it's uh, so it seems like a like a, a big lurch, right? Like it's not. They're not, they're not popular vote winners. They're, ex, they're expensive mm. in dollar terms. They're expensive politically. And then, you know, they're not really going to be, no one's going to be cheering for them. So it's, it's, it's really odd. So that's why there's sort of, I haven't really found anyone who's like, I like this. This is And good. what's the outcome then? What, what happens? What, what happens from here? How, when's the next election? Two years away. Two years away, right. I think. So they've got a bit of time. They've got a little bit of time. But none of those measures are going to make any difference in the next two years. That's the bit that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just mm. bad from every angle you look at it. Yeah, yeah. Are they just trying to make a splash? What's <laughs> it like? They're just <laughs> announcing themselves because they've only been there for 19 days. And yeah. I don't Liz know. Truss is just like, yo, what's up? I'm here <laughs> and we're doing, we're crazy. We're getting crazy up in here. <laughs> Watch out! What are we doing now? Whoa! And yeah. everyone's like, "Wow, that Liz Trust, you got to watch her." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, She's like the crazy guy at the party. Like no one's no one's enjoying having him there, <laughs> but at the same time, everyone's just kind of like, "Hey, it's kind of interesting." Something yeah. <laughs> better than the old guy. Well, that's it. it comes guy. after Boris Johnson. He's like, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things you want. You have to do if you want to out crazy Boris Johnson. <laughs> this is just <laughs> they didn't want. Liz didn't want to do it. She was just. She was like, look, oh. people like crazy, and yeah. this is where this is what the level we have to take it. What's it going to take? Oh, I'm going to crash the pound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I guess you wonder, like, maybe people don't pay that much attention, and she's just. 
branding herself as the low tax option and people go, oh, I don't like taxes. Okay, that they're the low tax mm. option. Maybe, but but then there's that the end of cap on banker bonuses. It's such a... Yeah. It's just such, it seems like such a gift to fat cat bankers. Mm. Like it's, it's so easy to run politics against that in, yeah. in the middle of a, re- a recession. They're going to be in recession and inflation's in, at double digits. Mm. Like there's the gun bankers aren't going to have no sympathy. So, yeah. We'll be offering free car detailing for any Lamborghini <laughs> and Ferrari owners. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Thomas, finally on the show, FinFest is happening October 15th. Uh, you and I are going to be there. We're going to mm. be presenting a panel discussion on investing in 2050. Mm. What are we going to do? Yeah, so, well, basically we've got three panellists joining us, very talented investors, and we're going to give them a taste of the future with the headlines that we're getting from a from BuzzFeed, from 2050 BuzzFeed, uh, mm. and we're going to give them a picture of the tech that's on offer in 2050 and then see how they would invest knowing, right. knowing that that, tech, that tech's a reality. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've given me some headlines. Mm. I'm going to read them out to you. You mm. might have to give me a rundown on exactly what, what we're looking for. Mm. So the first one is, man puts kebab in 3D printed Hadron Collider. You won't believe what happens next. Bit mm. of clickbait too. I like it. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. going on there? Yeah, well, so 3D printing is obviously mm. one of the big trends. That's sort of, we're seeing the emergence of that, but that's, that's going to be off the charts in 2050. Uh, right. got the democratization of knowledge. So you can just access the plans for a Hadron Collider from the internet. That's sort of in, in effect already, but that'll sort of, everything will be available to everyone <laughs> in 2050. <laughs> You're suggesting people are going to be printing their own Hadron Colliders? That's what I'm calling. <laughs> wow. I really won't believe what happens next. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> then maybe I will through the democratization <laughs> of knowledge. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But the other, thing, right. the other thing that's implied there is an abundance of cheap energy. Um, ah. So Hadron Collider is not something you can run on a normal household electricity budget. Uh, no. But, yeah, so somehow we're going to figure out super cheap energy. There's also some council regulations to work through too, I reckon, <laughs> before you spin, spin up your own Hadron Collider in your, in your apartment. Uh, all right, um, the second headline is the brutal... Battle for Cowtown. PETA, PETA activists launched drone strike on orbiting cattle ranch to protest ZG beef. Mm. ZG beef. Mm. I don't... Mm, mm, mm. Words. Words, yeah, yeah. So Cowtown is an orbiting O'Neill cylinder. O'Neill cylinders Mm. are little structures in space that spin and by spinning create their own gravity. Ah. Do these things exist already? No, only theoretically. Oh, okay. But in 2050, they, they will exist. Right. Um, one of those O'Neill cylinders has become Cowtown, so it just becomes a cattle ranch. So mm-hmm. one of the ideas of the future is that all of our carbon-intensive industries have been off-planeted. Right. Um, this is something that Jeff Bezos was pushing for, talked about a little while ago. So he wants to mm. see Earth-zoned residential and yeah. light commercial only and, you know, cows are pretty carbon-intensive. Mm. So yeah, so they're they're off off planeted um, cows, but ZG beef is zero gravity beef. So <laughs> some cows are being raised in zero gravity conditions because it increases the marbling. <laughs> Peter activists say they have that. No, they have no muscles. <laughs> yeah. be, there would be no sinewy bits at all. It'd just be like 
complete fact. Yeah, so Peter activists say that that's cruel and they've launched the drone strike uh, right. against against it. So the implied technology there is obviously weaponized drones, mm. O'Neill cylinders and the relocation of he- heavy industry to be s- to space. Mm. And space cows. Space cows, yeah. Um, right, okay. <laughs> uh, the next one is Kendall Jenner left her coffee mug on top of her Ferrari Porb. Porb? Mm. Did you write porn wrong? Now NASA wants to find her $15 million to clean up her space junk. What's a porb, first a, of all? A porb is a personal orbiter. It's ah, a personal okay. flight, flight craft capable of low-orbit low flight. Mm-hmm. The applied technology there is you've got personal flying vehicles. Um, yeah, personal drones, are, you know, they're probably only 5, 10 years away, but it's probably a small leap from there into orbiting Porbs, mm-hmm. you, but you also got space junk. So once once you got everyone launching stuff into space, then you're going to have mm. some pretty hectic space junk, and that's going to that's going to create some big stories. Uh, and then if we're talking about Kendall Jenner still being on the front pages, then we've got life extension and cosmetic surgery. It's mm. probably probably leveled up as well by 2050. The only issue I've got with this headline is people are still drinking coffee. I think that's probably been replaced by Red Bull or. <laughs> Some kind of energy, space energy drink. That would be the only <laughs> addition to that one, I think. No, coffee's vintage methamphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, finally, way too close. Tesla lasers take out planet killer asteroid. Mm. What's happening here? Yeah, so there was a routine asteroid retrieval. So one of the, one of the trends of the future is asteroid mining. Mining, mm. there's a abundant uh, mineral resources on asteroids out in space and somehow we're going to be um, harvesting those resources. That'll mm-hmm. either happen through uh, rigs that then set up transport back to Earth or another idea is that we bounce the asteroids back down into Earth's orbit and mine them there, which, right. yeah, opens That's- up. Yeah. <laughs> It's fraught with danger. Does seem fraught um, with danger, yeah. But it would be much cheaper than than trucks mm. trucking stuff back from the asteroid belt. Nah, we just need we need Twiggy Forest Infinity Train. Told yeah, you that. yeah, yeah. I did actually read. I read two asteroid stories this week. The first one was that we're test firing rockets into an asteroid just to see whether we can deviate one off course. Oh. Should we need to? Should the need arise? Ah, yeah. But the other one I read today was that. A primary school who was organising a science discovery day and trying to promote it by creating a fake asteroid impact zone <laughs> ended up with um, like freaked out parents and <laughs> local community because they thought that they'd actually been hit by an asteroid because the, the, they cracked the asphalt and had steam coming out of it and it looked like a war zone. Wow. So, um, yeah, maybe get your comms people onto that one if you're going to run another the Science Discovery <laughs> Day. <laughs> let the, let the, spread the word in the local community that it's just a simulated event and not an actual asteroid strike at your, at your local primary school because <laughs> that scares people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, finally, man creates app for his bimmy that replaces every human face he sees with the face of his dead wife. I'm crying right now. This is a disturbing headline. What's a mm. BIMI? A BIMI is a brain-machine interface, um, right. a program, programmable hardware upgrade for the brain. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this this is tech that's being talked about now, but by 2050 that'll be realised. Um, so we'll be able to hack hack the brain with hardware that implies nanotech and surgery, um, mm. and also implies augmented and virtual reality going to some, the next level. So he'll have a thing in his head that changes every face he sees to the face of his dead wife. <laughs> Pretty intense. <laughs> But that kind of augmented reality, like virtual reality mm. will happen inside your head, not out. Inside your head. Not, not, not in your glasses. It's going to make every interaction he has pretty interesting, isn't it? Mm. Like just at the bar. <laughs> That'll be $14,000 for your beer, thanks. Oh, come on, love. <laughs> We've got so much history. <laughs> uh, right, well, creates uh, creates all kinds of interesting thoughts in my head, um, and I reckon that's actually going to be it's going to be a lot of fun to hear what uh, future focused investors are going to have to say about it. I think the whole of Finfest is going to be all sorts of fun. It all kicks off October fifteenth. We hope you'll join us there. See you all in Sydney if you're there. Yeah, Come along. see you all in Sydney. Absolutely. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great fun. It's going to be. It doesn't really matter what level of investor you are, whether you're you know you're just getting started, whether you're a seasoned campaigner. Yeah, there's going to be something for everyone there. There's going to be there's going to be bars. There's going to be DJs. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be epic. Uh, we hope you'll join us there. We thank you for joining us again this week on Comedian versus Economist. Don't forget, we've got a couple of weeks off next week and the one after. I guess we're preparing. <laughs> no, it's school holidays. Uh, so yeah, we look forward to talking to you again next time on Comedian versus Economist. It's bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.